how many are interested in having the best year of your life this year? Right? Yeah. All right. Cool. That's right. You guys are awesome. I love this church. What, in all reality, what ends up happening every single time December 31st comes around is we say, hey, we want to have a brand new year because last year was the worst, right? Like last year was terrible. Or maybe you, you had the best year of your life last year. How could it possibly get any better this year? But here's the deal. At the end of the day, I have not met one person in 10 years of pastoral ministry that someone said, where someone said, hey, you know what? I hope this year just sucks. <laughs> you know what? Low goals for me this year. Low goals. I just want this to be the worst year of my life. Relationally, I want this to be the worst year of my life financially. I just want to go through financial ruin at some point over the next 12 months and make sure everything is just, I just want this to be the worst. I want to just feel like God is far from me all year, right? That's just, I've just never heard anyone say that. Because here's the reality is, even if you don't say it, deep down inside, December 31st to January 1st is like this brand fresh new baptism where it's a brand new year, it's a fresh start, and 2018 is going to be the best year of my life, right? And we all start there. We all go through that because I've been where you're at. I do the same thing. I'm always like, oh, I don't do the whole resolution thing. I do goals, Right, like if I don't know if you do, or I'm just like silent in my head, and you're like hoping certain things happen. But in all reality, we can have the best year of our life if we address not the many steps we need to take, but if we just take one step. If we just take one step this year, we truly can have the best year of our life. And so, over the next few weeks, we're going to go through one change that you might be able to consider making, how we can help you do that. Um, but really how we can pursue Christ together in that. Because here's the deal. If you want to have the best year of your life, you have to take intentional steps towards Christ. You have to take intentional steps towards Christ. How many love when you see uh, this take place? Go ahead and, and show that video. Maybe you know where you are in this, uh, in this, in this stage here. Jim, come on. Jimmy. Come here, buddy. Come here. Hey, Jan. <laughs> That's me walking into something. <laughs> Come on, isn't that amazing, right? Like, isn't that like, like, don't you love that? Don't you love that? Like, you're like, it's my kid, of course, I love that. But, but don't you love when you see someone taking a first step that they've never taken before. Don't you love when you see, you see someone's life just in, in shambles over here, but they begin to make some, but what makes that happen for us? What makes that possible for us? Is when we take intentional steps towards Christ. We do that. And there's a story uh, in Luke chapter five. You want to grab your Bible that was on your seat and turn there with me to, to page number 855. There's a story of the apostle Peter where he um, is finding himself taking steps towards Christ, and he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know it, and I love it uh, because I love how Jesus just pulls us towards him. So if you grab those Bibles on your seat, go to page number 855, and we'll move through that together. Um, If you are newer today, that Bible is a gift to you. Um, If you are here every week, don't steal. Thank you. Luke chapter 5, the Apostle Peter. Here's what it says. It says, one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. 
Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push, out, push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A, short, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized that what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish he had caught, as, we were, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. He, you know, here's the deal. If we want to have the best year of our life, we have to take some intentional steps towards Christ. And Peter takes a few steps towards Christ. And, and we actually can take these steps. You might find yourself in this story in one of the ways that Peter interacts with Jesus because at the end of the day, we all interact with Jesus at a different level level. We all find ourselves maybe at the start of a journey, or maybe you've been journeying for a while. Maybe for you, you've been stagnant with Christ, and this whole idea is just a little foggy, and you're not really sure what's going on. Maybe for you, you get just in a spot where you just are connecting with the Lord of the universe, and just being able to grow in him. Maybe no matter where you're at, you can find yourself in Peter's story, because here are the steps that Peter takes towards Christ. The first step he takes is that he's listening in. He's listening in. Where, where, where do we find Peter as he's moving in? We see him, that, he's, he's, that Jesus is preaching on the shore of Sea of Galilee and great crowds pressed in around him. And Peter was in the crowd. He's in the crowd. And he's listening to the things that Jesus has to say. He's listening in. And, you know, he's just kind of mending his nets and he's doing his thing. He's kind of, maybe he's not really paying attention a whole lot. But he's like, man, there's a whole lot of people here. I better, I, better, I better figure out what's going on. And he had spent a whole night, like literally all night. If you've ever worked third shift, you know what this means. When you don't want, you don't want to do anything very much, and you're probably not a whole lot of a nice person, right, <laughs> like when you get out of the work. Because you just, like, I just got to finish up. I need to get home. I need to take a nap. I need to do all this stuff that I got going on. But he's just listening. He hears Jesus listening. And he's listening to all that he has to say. And so for you, you can stop there. We can just stop there. For you, perhaps, you've just been listening in. Maybe for months, maybe for years. You've just been, ah, maybe I'll just sit in the gathering and I'll listen to what the guy has to say. Or maybe every once in a while, I'll turn on the Christian radios and see what they have to say. Or maybe every once in a while, I'll just like do a little Google search and see something. And you've just been listening in on what Jesus is all about. And that's a great, great start. That's an awesome start. You know why? Because you're beginning to tease out what in the world is actually going on with this whole man named Jesus. So for you, the way that you can continue to do this is that you can continue to read. Um, I would, man, I would call up a pastor, call up a friend, and just begin asking questions about it. But, but here's the deal. Peter did not believe in Jesus yet, did he? Did he? No, it says he is... He doesn't say he's Lord until much later on into the passage. And here's what I love about Jesus, and here's what I think challenges us as Christians often, is that Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable with people who were nothing like him. This is the only prerequisite 
that you have to have in order to begin to be in the crowd and listen to Jesus. You have to be nothing like him. And for Jesus, he's totally cool with this, man. Like all throughout the New Testament, he's, he's sitting with prostitutes and drunkards and tax collectors. Tax collectors, they were the first century version of a sex offender today. Nobody trusted him. Nobody liked him. Nobody wanted to be around him. Jesus finds himself with people constantly who are nothing like him. And for you, that's the first step that you have to take to figuring out who Jesus is. You just have to listen in. And you have to be nothing like him. And we all said, amen. Thank God, right? That's like, thank God. Holy cow. Because we got to listen in. And so for you, maybe this year, you want to take an intentional step towards Christ. Perhaps you have to start listening in a new way. Perhaps you have to start figuring this stuff out completely different. Maybe you've been following Jesus for years and you're just stagnant and you just have not grown or maybe you just haven't felt close or this whole thing has become routine and you're not sure about any of it. Maybe you need to start listening in a new way. I would say start attending gatherings regularly. Don't let this be something that you do once every six weeks or maybe once every time you need to feel a little bit better. Attend gatherings regularly. Maybe you need to read books in new ways and actually hear more about who he is and begin teasing out beliefs about why he is who he is and why he says the things that he says. You have to start listening. Maybe you need to start meeting with someone who's a little bit further down the journey with you just so you can ask questions. A lot of times we meet with people so we can tell them how smart we are. We don't ask questions. Hey, tell me more about Jesus. Tell me more about what you think. Tell me more about where you're coming from. And instead of asking questions, we end up saying statements and we end up making these things completely, uh, we end up getting completely lost into the whole idea. What if you sat down and met with someone and just started asking questions? We need to listen in. Another intentional step that Peter took later on, um, he went down and he goes into letting Jesus borrow his boat. Now look, Peter spent all night fishing and he's got to clean it out. He's got to clean his boat out. He's got to mend his nets. He's got to take care of everything. And here's this guy showing up, crowds everywhere, and he goes, hey, uh, can I use your boat? Yeah. I guess. Like, Jesus, don't you come prepared? Like, there's like thousands of people that follow you around anywhere. Don't you have your own boat? He says, no, can you be a part of what I'm doing real quick? Can I use your boat just to speak to these people real fast? And you see Peter say, he says, yeah, sure. Yeah, come on, let's go. I, I got nothing else to do. Let's go, let's keep going. And he takes the boat, he sent, bring, goes out, and he finds himself in close proximity with Jesus. And he lets Jesus borrow something that he owns, that he uses to make money, that he uses to feed his family, that he uses to interact with the world and, inter- and participate in culture. He uses what Peter has to become a part of the restoration of all things. Peter lets him use his boat. For you, what is that? Maybe you've been listening in for years, or maybe you just started. And you might be at the start in 2018 to say, you know what, I need to start letting Jesus borrow something of mine. 
you're like, you're not there yet. You're like, hey, look, Jesus, Peter hasn't called him Lord yet. You're fine. You're still kind of safe. But you're taking a step. You're saying, okay, this is just, I'm going to let Jesus borrow something of mine so that we can begin to interact with this, what this might be. Okay, maybe, maybe what I'll do this year is I'm going to start giving and handling my money a little bit differently. The way, maybe, maybe the way Jesus says, maybe not. Maybe just, I'm going to start giving and see what Jesus does with my money. I'm going to let him borrow some. What I'm, going to, I'm going to give Jesus some of my time, and I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to give you an hour a week, Jesus, and I'm going to see if you can actually use the things that are important to me. Maybe for you, you need to let him borrow something very close to you, something that I, don't, I wouldn't even use in an illustration, something that's coming into your mind right now that Jesus wants to use to begin to interact with the culture a little bit differently, to maybe cast some life, to maybe pursue others in new ways. Who knows? Maybe there's something for you that you need to let Jesus borrow. You need to stop listening in because you've been listening in for a long time. You've been maybe online or maybe in the back row or maybe just out in the cafe or maybe just reading or considering. Maybe you've been doing that for a long time. And this year, you might not be ready to go all the way that Jesus is Lord, but you might be able to let him borrow something for a little bit. What is that for you? Who is that for you? And maybe as we begin to do that, we can start serving together. We can start growing together. We can attend a community group together. And see if Jesus is who he says he is. One of the best ways that we've grown often is, one of the best ways that we grow often is through community groups. Maybe this year you're going to say, you know what, I'm not ready to go there yet. Or maybe I've just been stagnant for a little bit or I'm just kind of waiting for Jesus to prove himself to me. Because, because God has to do that, apparently. Maybe I'm going to attend a community group and begin teasing this whole thing out. And so for Peter, he listens in and then he finds himself in a little bit of a closer proximity, lets Jesus borrow something. But what does Jesus do after this? Right? He goes to Peter and he says, hey, you know what? You tried throwing your nets out differently. You want to throw your net out on the other side of the boat? Want to throw your net out on the other side of the boat? This would have been the most frustrating request to a fisherman in the first century. Like, bro, I spent all night fishing. You're not even a fisherman. You're a carpenter. Like, what do you know about anything? But here's what's so cool is that, is that where Jesus finds himself, he finds that where they find themselves is on the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is a, is a sea that runs north to south, and they would have been throwing their net towards Jerusalem, which is on the east. And he's saying, you know what, why don't you throw it towards the west to an area called the Decapolis. It's the Ten Cities. It's, a, it's the section of town that nobody wanted to go to. If you were a religious leader, you didn't go there. What Jesus is saying, can you, throw your note, your, can you throw your nets towards people that might need me? And so you find yourself in point three. Maybe you need to start throwing your net differently. Maybe you need to start throwing your net differently. For Peter, he was throwing his net on one side of the boat, and he, finally this dude shows up, this teacher, this master, someone with authority, and he throws it to the other side of the boat, and the boat fills up with fish. So much so that they needed a second boat and the second boat filled up with that fish. Because with Jesus always is life. There's always life taking place. And he wants to show to these disciples that when you listen to me, 
when you actually live the way of life that I said it was possible to live, there's life. And then when you actually listen to me, other people benefit. Here's what I love about the story of Jesus. Is that the story of Jesus isn't just staying at home type things. It's not a story that just stays at home. If you're living the way of Jesus, it's tangible and noticeable and people capture from it. If you can't help but to love somebody else, they experience life from you. When you stop judging and start interacting, literally they experience life. When you stop uh, holding grudges and start forgiving, people experience life. And here's the thing, everybody lives a certain way, but it's whether or not you live the Jesus way. I think this is one of the biggest differences that might be for our church this year. What if we stopped living our way of life and started living truly the Jesus way of life? Here's the thing. Everybody has a certain way, right? You have the Buddhist way of life. People live the Buddhist way of life. You have the soccer way of life. How many any soccer families here? <laughs> You're like, every day, yep. The football way of life. which is okay if you're a Pats fan in February. There's the sports way of life. There's the snowboard way of life. There's the, there's the I don't know, there's the work with the career path way of life. Everyone lives a way of life. And if you don't live any of those, you live your own way of life. And the challenge for you maybe this year is to, you know, you've done the listening in. You've even let Jesus borrow something. Maybe you're not quite ready to call him Lord and you can believe in him and all that sort of thing. But you haven't actually transferred your way of life for the Jesus way of life. You haven't literally said, all right, I'm going to give everything that I got. It's, I'm done with what my way of life is. And you know this to be true because you haven't caught any fish. You know it to be true because your way of life doesn't work. Every year you've cycled and you've cycled and you've cycled and you've cycled and your relationships are still stunted, your finances are still in disrepair. Every year you've tried hard to pull up your bootstraps and Jesus is literally saying, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Throw your nets differently. Do something different and let Jesus be the way of life you live. And so for Peter, he's like, all right, sure. Let me throw it over there. And he gets two boats worth of fish. And so for you, it may be listening in. Maybe for you, it's just letting him borrow something. But for many of us, it's to stop living our own way of life and to let us ourselves live the Jesus way of life. Because at the end of the day, his way is the best way to live life. But lastly, what I love about Jesus is that he always brings us to one step and then he lets us respond. He doesn't make you respond. He lets you respond. And and lastly, the step that Jesus makes, uh, the step that Peter makes towards Christ is that he moves from calling him sir to calling him Lord. 
See what he says here is he says, hey, master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll do it. Doesn't that sound like a Christian? Doesn't it? Hey, I'd be good with that as a pastor. <laughs> like, yeah, great, awesome, you did it. But that's not the response of his heart. That's not the response of his heart. That's his functional response. Like, you're promising fish? I need money? I'll do it. I mean, fishermen, they, they <laughs> I mean, they didn't, they were, they, were, they were very, they were doing very well. Oftentimes we look at them and we think, we think of fishermen from the first century as people who just were, were kind of paupers and just kind of scratching at the state by Man, They were like, they had employees. They, they, was like, they were like middle class, upper middle class business owners back then. Probably making 50,000, 60,000 a year. Nothing to go crazy over. But they got money. They're not like, they're not, they're poor. So he's like, dude, I need to make money in order to feed my family. And so if you're saying that I can, there might be another way for me to do it, I'll do it. And it has nothing to do with the response of Peter's heart. Many of us, if we have to be honest, we're stuck in this functional response to who God is because in all reality, that's all we are. That's all we're doing. I go to church because my parents brought me or my parents told me to. I go to church because it just feels better or I go, I interact with the things of God because I want a spiritual, more transcendent life. But you actually haven't responded to Christ in your heart yet. And here's the thing. You might be throwing your nets differently. You might be tithing. You might be coming every Sunday. You might be doing that. In all reality, the heart hasn't responded to Christ. Where he says, you know you are Lord. You're not, just, you're not just a master. You're not just someone with authority. But you're a Lord. And I'm a sinner. And I need you to forgive me. And I need you to change me. I can't do this by myself. I need a savior. I need someone to change me. And upon the response of his heart, when he moves from sir to Lord, what does it say in the text? As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed him. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed him. How often, when we're moving from sir to Lord, do we want to say, hey, but I really like the way that I spend my money. Hey, I really like the way I spend my time. Hey, I really like what I do for a living. Hey, I really like my opinion. He says, no, no, no. They left everything. And they got completely restructured by Christ. The Christian life doesn't work unless we give it all to him. It doesn't. You will be disappointed at some point because all that Jesus is at this point is someone that can functionally respond to, that you can functionally respond to. All Jesus is at this point is this idea. 
this spiritual concept that may make us feel a little bit better, but you haven't actually responded to him yet. I've been saying this for months here at Community Covenants. It's an awesome declaration of promise to you, but if you've been coming here for a while, odds are you've either been disappointed or you will be. Because we're people on people on people all trying to figure out this way of life together. But if we don't move from seeing Jesus as just a functional response to a declaration of a Savior, we don't get him. And so this year, maybe, for you, it's not about listening. It's not about just letting him borrow something and maybe just live in, who knows. It maybe for you, it's, it's not just about throwing your nets differently, but it's actually responding to the king of the, the universe. That he is who he says he is. He is the Lord. And we are sinners. And we need his salvation. The way that the Bible over and over and over and over again references this about someone who's moving from sir to Lord, someone who has made that move but has not told anybody yet is through baptism. It's through baptism. And, and man, we've, we've personally interacted with many of you over the last um, six months that have been taking very intentional steps towards Christ. And if you're here, and this fourth, you know, you're ready to move from death to life, and you begin to believe that Jesus is the Lord and that he did, in fact, die and resurrect, and that he did, in fact, can, and he can, in fact, change your life. The Bible says that the number one way that you proclaim this is through baptism. That's your first response of obedience, is through baptism. It's not through an altar call or through a prayer Although you can pray and you can do all of those things, it's literally to say, you know what? I'm going to get baptized because I can't live my way of life any longer. Jesus is who he says he is. We don't practice uh, infant baptism yet because we believe so wholeheartedly that the Bible teaches that, that, that you make this decision when you're able to make this decision. And so we practice adult baptism in submersion, and that's awesome, being in front of hundreds of people and getting dumped in water. We practice this because ultimately, how powerful is it when you begin to see the heart of a person change to become more like Christ, and they can proclaim it. Here's what I love. I love seeing when you can see it. I love, I love watching when you can see someone go from death to life, you can literally see the change that takes place from one side to the next. You can see someone literally go, I'm going to listen in for a little while, or hey, you know what, I'm going to try this out, I'm going to come a little bit more, or I'm going to start serving. But then there's this moment that takes place when literally you can see life change happen, and their old life looks a lot different than their new life. I love that, because Jesus constantly changes lives. And that's why we celebrate baptism. And so for some of you, maybe you've been baptized when you were a kid. I'd say, you know what, you're here right now. It's important that we obey as an adult. And so we'd love to baptize you. We're going to baptize people on February 11th. We're going to have one big party. 
celebrating people that move from death to life, that are, are ready to call Jesus the Lord of their life. And so for you, maybe um, this is the, the first time that you've ever considered something like this. I, would, I just would pray that God would move on your heart to do this and that you could proclaim this way. Or maybe for you, it's you were a kid when you were baptized and you never got to proclaim this and, and follow this next step as an adult. I'd love, I'd love, love, love for you to do this on February 11th. You can sign up today for that. You can sign up online. You can I don't know, tell me right now. No, I'm just kidding. At the end of the day, gang, listen. Jesus has us take next steps always. He's always having us move closer to him. But he never makes you respond. And so this year, if you want to truly have the best year of your life, stop trying to dig deep within yourself and start resting in Christ. Live the way that Jesus said was possible to live. This series, we're going to go through a few of those. Man, I'd love to have you guys here every week as we talk about, tease out the way that Jesus said was possible to live together. But ultimately, what I'm looking forward to is the life that comes out of that when someone actually takes God at his word and lives the way that he said it was possible to live. Peter is just one story. And he had ups and downs and moves and lefts and rights. If you read the New Testament, it's crazy. And if Peter finds his life in Christ, we can too.